Welcome to Breakout on Rest in the midst of a busy world. Um, I'm Amy Rogers. I am the campus director for Summit College at Meredith College. Go Ooh. Angels. <laughs> I see a couple of you. And then my friend Logan, he is the campus director for Summit College at State. <laughs> okay, I need more <laughs> emphasis, more excitement about Meredith. It's awesome. Okay, <laughs> thanks guys. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just want to first begin by emphasizing that Logan and I are by no means experts at this topic. Um, we're not experts at resting, and we're both not that far out from college, and I think we'd both say, too, that, like, right now in our lives, we probably are balancing more roles and responsibilities than we even were in college, and so um, we are very familiar with being tired and stressed and overwhelmed and have hurried hearts also, um, even the this morning I was running around chaotically and had to remind myself I'm literally walking into talking about resting and I can slow down. Um, but with that being said, also like the Lord has given us both like a passion and desire to live unhurried lives and to slow down um, even in the midst of having things to do and has just brought us a lot of like encouragement and life from doing so. Um, and so uh, we're not going to be able to cover everything about rest um, in this quick hour, um, but just want to begin a conversation about it. Um, we've both just been able to like pray and just ask the Lord what he'd want to show us and show you guys. And so we're just going to have a conversation. Um, and we're also going to have a Q&A at the end. And so if you guys have any questions that we don't answer during the breakout or um, if you have questions about anything we say, like um, you'll have time to ask them at the end. So write those down so you can remember them. Um, but that being said, since we were talking about rest, um, we just wanted to take a minute at the beginning of this session because I'm sure you guys might feel a little chaotic right now, running around trying to find the breakout room, trying to get your snacks, um, being around like hundreds of other people. And in light of wanting to rest, um, we just wanted to take a minute to just be silent. So I just want you all to like close your eyes um, and anything you're thinking about, any um, distractions, worries, um, even just, yeah, fears, anything that's on your mind. I just want you to like surrender to the Lord and um, we'll start after that. Yeah, Lord, we just surrender all of um, our cares at your feet. Um, Jesus, we just want to know you, um, to rest in you. Um, Lord, so help us um, focus um, today, help us learn about your rest, um, your true and better rest um, in the midst of just a lot of busyness and noise and distraction um, in our world. Um, Lord, we just want to know you. We want to rest in you. Um, and so we just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So uh, first, uh, kind of what we're going to talk through is kind of, are we actually that hurried? Why are we hurried? Is that a bad thing? Kind of argument for that. And in the second half, we're going to talk about um, some disciplines uh, for all of us to grow in. Um, we have this ginormous stack of books that's all on your resources page, I think. Um, and then the Bible on top, right? <laughs> Bible's number one. Um, but these are books that Amy and I both, either both have read or each have read separately um, that are really helpful. Is where we got a lot of research and things like that. Um, and so that's where it's all going to come from. Um, but the first thing is, is are we actually that hurried, right? And I think... Um, on the college campus, it's very clear. I know this happens to me, and I'm sure it happens to all of you guys. Uh, anytime that you ask someone, um, hey, you know, how have you been? Like, you've seen someone, they're always like, oh, I'm so good, I'm just busy. And it's like, that is everyone's default, no matter what, is to mention that you're busy. Even if you're not that busy, you're just like, oh, yeah, I am just so busy, you know? So it's like our culture just, like, really praises this idea of being busy, right? And so um, got this from John Comer's book. He talked about this hurry sickness diagnosis, um, right? So there are, I don't remember how many things, but there's some, um, some different symptoms. And so I want you, as I read these out, think about them. Is this true of you? All right, so first, irritability, hypersensitivity, Restlessness, uh, workaholism or nonstop activity, emotional numbness, out of order priorities, lack of care for your body, escapist behaviors, spillage of spiritual disciplines, isolation. Do you switch to the absolute shortest lane when you're at the light when you aren't late to something? Do you go around people that are walking just slightly slower than you on the sidewalk? 
Probably many of these are true. I always do that. I used to tell everyone that that was my biggest pet peeve when people would walk slowly in front of me. And I was like, they just don't care about being on time or being productive. <laughs> yeah. So we see, I mean, it's, there are, I mean, so many of these are true of me. Like so almost all of them are true of me at some point. It just shows that we are hurried people, right? We constantly are wanting to be busy and hurried. Um, and I think there are a ton of reasons why uh, we feel hurried, and we're going to talk about that today. Um, but when you think about it, right, we have a phone uh, that's constantly fighting for our attention while also distracting us from long moments of silence, solitude, rest. Uh, we have a problem with being competitively busy uh, and social where we want to outdo one another with the things that we have on our plates and the amount of people that we are friends with. Uh, we stay up late, missing out on sleep, and keeping busy throughout the day with an intense fear of missing out. Um, and we just don't really have a context for the benefit of slowing down, right? So all of these things we see are just uh, ways that, or that kind of make us hurt and has kind of brought us to where we're at today. Yeah, and as I was even thinking about this, I was thinking of, because I think we can be busy, like have a lot of things to do without actually being like hurried and just wanted to like even separate and define um, what we're talking about today is like, because we can be busy without being in a hurry and busy is like more of an external condition where we just have a lot of tasks to complete, like we just have um, a busy schedule maybe, um, but hurry is like the inner state where we become distracted and our hearts become anxious because um, of our external busyness. And so uh, our hurried hearts are not just um, because of our disordered schedules, but are actually like because of our disordered heart. Um, and so, yeah, I think like a big reason I was thinking about that we um, like what makes us feel hurried is like Logan was mentioning like our world says that like you are what you produce and um, the more busy you are, the more successful and important you must be. Um, the world says show yourself, prove your worth, make a name, build a platform. Um, and for us, like it is so easy for us to just get caught up in that wave and um, caught up in um, the busyness and pace of our peers and um, think that that is what we should be doing also. Yeah, that is so true. And I think um, we see kind of to talk about just like why rest is important and why we desire this. Uh, Hebrews 4, 9 through 11, I think is an amazing verse for this. It says, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. All right, amazing verse for what we're talking about is there is, we have to make every effort to enter that rest, right? And, we're, you know, this entire conference, we're talking about victory in the battle. And this is an actual battle for every single one of us to actually fight to enter into that rest because our culture and everywhere around us is telling us the exact opposite. They're like, be busy, be distracted, all of these things. We're going to talk about, you know, all of that in a minute, but um, that is what our world is saying. And so it really is, we have to like put effort into resting. So it is like a battle for us. Yeah. yeah and the cool thing is with like probably what we you guys heard from like Josh this morning is that for us, like by the spirit, we, we don't like need to assimilate into cultures um, or the world's culture of like busyness um, because also this busyness for us like distracts us from God. Um, and there was this uh, professor at Charleston Southern named Michael Zigarelli and he did this survey on over 20,000 Christians and essentially uh, across the globe and identified as one of the most major distractions um, for believers from spiritual life as busyness um, or being hurried. And it was interesting because he described this vicious cycle um, of cultural conformity with busyness that I was like, I just see um, how that could just be so real is he says that Christians are assimilating to this culture of busyness, um, which leads to God becoming more marginalized in believers' lives, which leads to a deteriorating relationship with God because we're not spending time with him. Um, which leads to us becoming even like more vulnerable to adopting like secular worldviews and assumptions about how to live, which then leads to more conformity to a culture of busyness and hurry and overload. Um, and yeah, that's like, that is what happens if we um, just continue to live in this, but we don't have to. Like Jesus offers us this better life um, where um, like this better pace where we get to like be with him and find intimacy with him. Yeah. Really quick. If you are taking notes, 
just think for a minute how, I think this, this cycle is so true. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like you are assimilating to culture when it comes to busyness? Mm-hmm. How are you letting, just write this down really quick, how are you letting the culture of busyness kind of infect how you live? Just really quick, do that for like 20 seconds. All right, I know you're not, you're probably not done. <laughs> um, but I just wanted us just to kind of take a minute uh, right before we kind of get into a lot of these practices and things that can be helpful, just for us to even look at our hearts and ask the Lord, where am I assimilating to culture? Where am I living for the kingdom of this world and not for your kingdom? Right, because we, we know that there is rest in God and that is our desire. Um, and so I wanted to kind of, for us to check our hearts before going into that. And um, I was, I was reading this book, and it says, like, your life is the product of your lifestyle, which makes sense. And by life, I mean your experience of the human condition. And by lifestyle, I mean the rhythms and routines that make up your day-to-day existence. Right? So this is where you can really begin to practice rest and experience Christ in a new way, um, in a more full way uh, that he is actually meant to be experienced. Um, right? So we're going to talk through a lot of, like, rhythms and routines. And, and it may be confusing because you're like, okay, I'm coming to a talk on rest, and we're talking about things to do. That doesn't make sense. But hopefully a lot of these things are actually taking away a lot of the things that you are doing and replacing them with moments that you're going to be able to experience the Lord. Um, and so the five kind of disciplines we're going to be talking through, which is on your resource sheet if you have one. Uh, first one um, is Sabbath. The second is silence and solitude. The third is media. The fourth is sleep. And the fifth one is just practices for slowing down. Yeah. Yeah, I want to add to like, just um, why we want to talk about these things. Again, like Logan says, it's not to add things. Like these aren't burdens, but this is that we might like be able to find more intimacy with Jesus. Like the biggest concern um, we could have with hurry is that it keeps us from being with Jesus and it keeps us from, um, yeah, like life with God and being with him and loving him. Um, and like, this should, this should make us like fear. Like we don't, that's like our goal for our lives. Like we were made to worship Jesus. We were made to be with him. And so anything that keeps us from just being with him and loving him, we should want to like shove out of our lives. And so we just want to help like implement these things into our life that we might enter into Jesus's rest and might be intimate with him, that we might love him more um, because he's so worthy of that. And that's like a better life than the pace we are living right now. Yeah. Yeah, so the very first one we're talking about is Sabbath, Um, right? So how I define Sabbath um, is it's a 24-hour period that's not uh, just not doing work. Um, Instead, it's a time where you are enjoying the abundance of who God is intentionally and being restored by him. Um, So it's not just, I'm just going to take off of my schoolwork, but I'm still going to do laundry or I'm going to go grocery shopping or things like that. Like, that is still work, even if you have a blast at the grocery store, which I know many of you do. Like, it's a fun place. But... That is not what we're talking about with Sabbath. We're talking about where you're intentionally taking all work out and you are, um, you're intentionally being restored by him. Um, so um, in the Hebrew, it talks about two different words for rest. One is Shabbat and one is Nuach. Um, so Nuach is like a spiritual rest. Sabbath is more of like a physical and spiritual rest. Um, but John Mark Comer said this. He said, it's where we regularly intentionally engage in God's rule and reign in our hearts and on earth. We have to Shabbat in order to Nuach, to stop working and truly rest in God's presence. When we practice this intentional stop, we make room for him to take up residence in our individual lives. Um, so I know when I was in college, and I know because I work at State, that a lot of you guys don't practice rest um, and Sabbath every week. And that's okay. That's what, that's what we're here for. Um, but we really do see that this is all throughout Scripture. That is something that God really has designed from the very beginning. Um, so, I mean, you guys know Genesis. Uh, whenever, um, whenever God rested on the seventh day, I feel like that's what you guys hear all the time about sh- Sabbath and why you should do and stuff like that. Uh, we see in Exodus 16 is the first Sabbath Um, observance takes place in the wilderness in a time of scarcity. Um, And God wants Israel to trust that he is their true source of provision and life instead of hoarding, trying to control. Um, Then we see in Matthew 11 and 12, um, Matthew 11, the end of 11 is Jesus talking about the the famous verse, like, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. 
all that stuff. And then right after that, he talks about being the Lord of the Sabbath. Um, so he says that that is who he is, as you find rest in him, and he is the Lord of Sabbath. And then in Mark 2, um, Jesus says, then he said to him, this is uh, Mark two twenty seven. then he said to them, the Sabbath was made from hand, not man for the Sabbath. Right, so we see in this passage that like Sabbath is actually a gift to us. Right, I think we get really frustrated and we think like, I don't want to stop working, right? I, and I mean, this is the culture of today is productivity, right? And is, is efficiency. And so like, we want to like constantly work, work, work. Um, but what scripture is saying, what God is saying is, hey, I am intentionally building in a day for you to rest and to be restored by, by me. And I think I love thinking about it where it's not, I think it, it can be easy for me to think about a Sabbath as like the end of the week where I just crash. Um, but instead, seeing it as the beginning of a week where you're restored and refreshed for, like, to empower you for the rest of the week. And, like, seeing this Sabbath in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think even a good way, um, after, as Logan was talking about, the Hebrew word to think about Sabbath is just two simple words of, like, ceasing and celebrating. Of, like, stopping your work, stopping your worrying, stopping your wanting. But then celebrating also like God's good gifts, God's creation, his beauty, and like himself and like how good he's been, his character for you. Um, and I, I also wanted to acknowledge maybe like two different camps of people, maybe you fall into both or neither. But for me, going into this breakout, honestly, Sabbath was a thing I was like, I think most nervous to talk about because not because I hadn't seen its impact on my life, but because I'd become confused, I think, on if the Sabbath was still something we were called to keep as believers. And um, I think just it was cool as I learned more and more about the Sabbath and as I researched and as I looked to the word, it's it became something that I like became most excited about talking about, something I became so convinced of the power and importance of. Um, and so whether you believe that it is um, a command for us um, in scripture now or not, like which we believe it is, um, it is literally like built into the fabric of creation in a way that not just Genesis um, one, like, or two, two, Very yeah, Genesis, beginning of Genesis two talks about, but, um, that, like, all of, like, culture and science agrees with, um, like, in, there's a story of, during the French Revolution, they tried to turn the work week into 10 days, and, um, they were like, man, we'll get more stuff done, you know, and productivity, like, plummeted, and mental health skyrocketed, and they're like, this isn't gonna work, um, and even, like, there's scientific studies where, like, every seven days we need to catch up on sleep. Like, it's literally built into the fabric of creation. Um, and so, hopefully, like, that convinces you of just, like, man, we, we need to rest. And God has literally knitted this into mm -hmm. the fabric of creation. Um, but also, I think, uh, going back to what Logan was talking about of when um, the Lord commands um, Sabbath rest for the Israelites. Um, if we go back to that time, um, we think about the Israelites had been enslaved um, to Egyptians for years and years and years. And this generation of Israelites that God brought out of um, Egypt would have never known not being enslaved. Like this generation would have never not known like working and working every day, like tired, like laboring and under cruel, harsh leadership. And then God rescues them and God parts the Red Sea and God brings them into this land and God commands um, to rest. And for them, like to just imagine after never like knowing what rest is to be commanded by God to rest. Um, that, hey, you don't, for a full day, don't work. For a full day, you don't even have to go and get food. I'm actually gonna provide enough food the day before to, so that you don't even have to worry about food. Um, and for them, like, I'm sure they wrestled against that because they, they didn't know what rest was. Um, but we, I think when I think of this story, I think like, wow, what a gift it is to rest. Like what a gift it is that we literally have permission from God, the one who created us and designed us to stop working for a day, stop everything we're doing and just rest and celebrate and stop worrying. And he says, I will take care of you. Um, and so I just think like so much in the fabric of creation, we see that it's, it's a gift. It's, it's not a means to salvation. It's not a means to earn, but it's a gift. Like God, God rescues them before he commands them, the 10 commandments. And 
um, God, like Logan was saying, like gives them rest on the seventh day, the day after they were created before they start working. Like rest is a gift from the Lord and it's something we can delight in rather than seeing as a burden. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so good. And, and I think thinking about kind of the more practical side of things to go into that. And I know, I think um, on that resource sheet, you have a lot of like how you would plan a Sabbath and stuff like that. So we're not going to talk too much about that. But one thing I did want to mention is um, it can be really helpful to actually plan your Sabbath before it actually happens. Um, I know for me, um, it can be, yeah, I Sabbath on Saturdays. And so I can wake up on Saturday and be like, all right, what am I going to do today? Um, and then at that point, I'm giving into my flesh of what does my flesh want to do today, right? Maybe it's just sit on the couch and watch soccer or like something like that. And it's like, yeah, that is restful for me, but that also like can quickly turn into like slothfulness. And so instead by planning of like knowing how you're built, if you are an extrovert trying to plan time with friends where it's like maybe really restful friends where you can kind of process life with and hang out with and talk with, like trying to plan that Sabbath before it ever happens because if you get there, then it can be really easy just to slip out of Sabbath and kind of yeah. like be unrestful uh, during that time. Yeah. Yeah. I'd also say like, just as you walk into Sabbath, like it's not that you finish all of your work and then you can rest. Like some mm -hmm. of your work is probably going to remain incomplete. Like there's probably going to be more things that you can do. But I think even like a helpful picture in my mind is like, you know, like on cooking shows or baking shows, there's like so many of them right now. Like when the clock buzzes or whatever, the buzzer goes off, like they just have to like hands off, like stop. When they could like keep working on it for probably like more, more and more hours, but they just have to like hands off and stop. Like that's just, <laughs> we can just stop our work. Like there's always going to be more things for us to do. Um, but I'd also just like encourage y'all to just start where you're at with the Sabbath. If you've never Sabbath before, like it's not, this isn't another thing where it's about like perfection. Like mm -hmm. it's not about you like first time, like you're like, man, I had the perfect Sabbath. This is great. But like you might figure out something you do the first time that's like, oh, it's actually not helpful. I need to spend more time by myself or maybe I should add in like time in the word in a less distracting place. Mm -hmm. Like it's not another thing where you have to perform. It's a thing where you can stop worrying about performing and just rest in God. Um, so you just have like permission and freedom to like craft this day of delight. Um, and that's a gift and should be, should feel like a gift to us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on now to silence and solitude. Um, so would you be able to share your definition of it real quick? Because I think it was really helpful she shared it with me earlier. Yes. Um, so to define silence and solitude, um, just from different resources I looked at, I kind of crafted this definition of like intentionally being quiet and alone for the purpose of ridding ourselves from distractions that we are prone to use to resist coming before God um, and hearing from him. Um, and I can also send that out. I know that was a long thing, but I'll just say it again for you guys if you're writing it down. Um, so you have it or you want to say, you want to say, okay. <laughs> um, so intentionally being quiet and alone for the purpose of ridding ourselves from distractions that we are prone to use to resist coming before God. Again, we can send that to you later. We can create a group me of, of rest people. You know, all of us yes. will be really restful and we'll send that out. Um, yeah, so a, a quote from, from Jim Elliott, who is a missionary. He said, um, I think the devil has made it his business to monopolize on three elements, noise, hurry, and crowds. Satan is quite aware of the power of silence. Such a good quote. Um, and I think Western culture has like conditioned us to be comfortable with noise yeah. and crowds. I mean, if you think about it in like your mornings and the evenings or throughout the day, like there's always, always something happening, always a distraction, always something, um, some type of sound and noise, something going on. Um, and we see uh, that is not how Jesus lived, right? Jesus frequently left the crowds to go by himself to practice this silence and solitude prayer, things like that. So we see that in Matthew 4.1. We see that in Matthew 14.23, Mark 1.35, and Luke 4.42. Um, all of these times is uh, Jesus leaving the crowd, leaving maybe right after he preached or right after he did a miracle or something like that, um, and is going off to pray by himself. And that practice of silence and solitude is just so helpful because kind of what Amy was saying is this distraction often in, in the hurriness and the noise, it can distract us from moments where we could be with the Lord. 
I think like it is so, so difficult um, to like actually practice that. Um, but we see in the life of Jesus, like how valuable that really is. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. This discipline is something that is so contrary to my natural personality. Like, I love to talk, and I love noise, and I love people. And But during one summer, I was really, it was probably like three summers ago, um, I was interning for City Project, and it was like so chaotic all the time. And I just found um, a lot of rest. I began to just drive at dusk every day with my windows down, and I wouldn't play music, and I would just sit. And I think that was the time I really just began, like, the Lord just encountered me so much in those moments that I think I became, like, addicted to just, like, finding time alone. Like, I kind of hate carpooling now, not because I, like, hate the environment, but because (laughs) I just, like, the Lord just, like, meets me in my time alone in the car. And I was even, like, I was trying to find the note that I'd written down on my phone, and I named it Quiet Thoughts and Revelations. (laughs) Wow, that's deep. (laughs) And one thing I'd written was, this might sound funny but it was about like how I how I smelled a skunk in the road and I was like wow like the aroma of Christ oh my <laughs> gosh if that is what the aroma of Christ smells like in no heaven, no I was up. thinking about like the sacrifices and how they were like a pleasing scent to the Lord and so I don't know just like okay I know that sounds silly and I knew when I shared it that people were gonna laugh but <laughs> But, like, the thing is, is that if we just let ourselves be silent and actually, like, present to the moment, like, the Lord can literally use anything to, like, remind us yeah. of him. Like, just as we're dwelling, like, he could turn, like, the smell of a skunk to, like, meditation on, like, sacrifice or t- from just seeing a tree to, like, wow, Lord, like, you created all this. This is so good. Like, I think we can, yeah, like the things around us that we'd be prone to maybe even be annoyed by of like maybe a fly like flying around us while we're like reading our Bibles. We'd be like, oh man, like what the heck? But we could be like, wow, Lord, thank you for creation. (laughs) You know, (laughs) no, literally, like I think we should be like, like we don't have to see like distractions as not good. Like I think we can, well, maybe not distractions, but things that interrupt, but interruptions, I don't think are always distractions, but Yeah, so I think I just began to, like, love being silent, but I also found that the thing that's hard about silence, and I think what we fear about silence is, like, what comes to the surface when we are silent, um, that silent brings to the surface inner conflicts and distress and longings, um, when we get rid of, um, there's this quote from Henry, Henry Nowen, and he says, like, in solitude, I get rid of my scaffolding. No friends to talk with, no telephone calls to make, no meetings to attend, etc. He says, just me, naked, vulnerable, weak, sinful, deprived, broken, nothing. And it is in my nothingness that I have to face um, and my solitude and nothingness so dreadful that everything in me wants to run um, to all these distractions so I can forget this and make me believe um, that I um, am worth something by doing. Um, but then he says, like, as these things are brought to the surface, like, this wisdom of the dever- desert is that the confrontation with our own frightening nothingness forces us to surrender ourselves totally and unconditionally to the Lord Jesus. Um, and so, we, we can so easily fear silence and fear what will come. But if we don't actually wrestle with that, we're just going to push it down and we're just going to not deal with it. And um, so I think that's why, like, I've seen silence as really helpful. Yeah, I think, um, I think back, so probably about um, a year and a half ago, uh, my cousin unexpectedly passed away. Um, and I think after that moment... I don't know if you've had a, a close family member pass away. He was someone I was really close with. He like would come over summers to our house. I, but after that moment, I think I was really scared to be by myself and really, really scared to be silent. Um, because in those moments is when I would think about him, think about what happened. And it was a very tragic death that would happen. And so it just was really, really easy for me to be scared. Um, and I think deep down, all of us feel that way. <clears throat> Somehow, in silence, we fear all of the thoughts that are going to possibly come to our head. And just what Amy shared in that quote, there, there are things that um, maybe, maybe lies that we have believed over a long period of time that when silence comes, maybe that's when you're starting to hear them the most. Um, and, I, and, and I do believe that that is really hard, but I do think that in that silence as well is when I can hear God's voice m- most um, and is where I'm hearing him battle Satan <laughs> in my head. 
um, where I'm seeing this, this battle within my head happen, where in silence is when like God is actually going to meet you and is actually going to cover the doubts and fears that you have. Like I had so, I mean, when my cousin passed away, it was like, there are so many doubts and fears that I had in my head of like, man, do I believe in you, God, anymore? Like, why, why would you do something like this? And just all of these thoughts in my head. But it was in those moments of silence that I was terrified to step into is when God would meet me, and when he would answer my questions, that he would bring peace. It says in Isaiah, keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. And, and that is the practice of silence and solitude is, is this moment where you are silent, there is no distraction, and you are allowing, you're allowing dark thoughts in your head but also you're covering them with truth, covering them with scripture. And um, I remember this podcast I listened to this past summer talked about like figuring out Satan's voice is really easy. <laughs> if it doesn't match the fruits of the spirit, it's probably Satan. <laughs> I was like, honestly, that feels like it makes sense. <laughs> like, like God is going to produce the fruits of the spirit in your minds, right? Um, and so I think in, in Silence and Solitude, it's easy, um, one, for us to to have those doubts in our head and dark thoughts in our head, but also that's where God meets us and that's where God wants to speak to us. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, and even like silence all throughout scripture is actually like um, said as like a demonstration of our steadied faith and trust in the Redeemer, like all throughout the Psalms, like be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. For um, Psalm 62 says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Um, mm-hmm. And so silence can become, like Logan was saying, like our confidence and steadied faith in the Lord. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think we want to move on to yeah. talking about sleep. Um, and so that might sound pretty basic, um, but I know some of y'all don't get any sleep. Um, I got like five or six hours last night, and I'm like feeling kind of dead right now. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you guys function if you don't sleep eight hours. But um, I know, yeah, you guys might be constantly pulling all-nighters or thinking you're fine on four hours of sleep during the week. And that true. you'll just catch up on the weekend. Um, and also, I hear all the time, like, someone say, like, oh, I had so much to do last night. Like, only slept five hours. And then the next person will, like, kind of mm-hmm. one-up them and be like, oh, yeah, like, I only slept, like, three hours, you yeah. know? And I'm like, what? Is this a competition? <laughs> like, is it, like, is there a gold medal for not sleeping? Like, I don't know why. Be- yeah, I think- it's, a, it is a, it's like people boast at night. Sleeping. Yeah, and I think it, like behind that, there's this assumption that it might be more productive or better to be awake longer than to be asleep, and that's just like fake news. That's so false um, because the Lord literally like created sleep. Like mm-hmm. it's good, and the Lord created us in a way that we need sleep, so we need to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you uh, if you did City Project with us uh, this past summer, you've heard me talk a lot about sleep. And I'm going to talk about it again a lot here because it, I really do think it is one of the most important things um, for us to be considering and thinking about. Um, so a lot of random facts I'm going to toss at you right now. Um, so before Edison, who created the light bulb, uh, the average person slept 11 hours a night, which is amazing. Um, Brad Hamrick, he's our, um, he's kind of pastor of counseling here at Summit. Um, he shared with our staff one time during a training on mental health um, that the occupation of like therapist or counselor uh, wasn't invented until the creation of the light bulb. Right? That there was no need for it until the light bulb came and that interrupted our sleep. Right? So it just shows how crucial that is. And I really do think sleep is, is an exercise of trusting God. Right, you going to sleep and saying, all right, God, I'm going to lay down my day. I'm going to lay down whatever responsibilities I have tomorrow, and I'm going to get rest because that's what you call me to do. Um, you give your beloved sleep. Like, I'm, I'm going to do that and trust, trust you in that. Um, side effects of lack of sleep. And, and when I say lack of sleep, you may be like, oh, like four hours, five hours. No, this is anything less than the recommended seven to eight hours. That's when this stuff sets it. So I'm here to terrify you about this. That's my goal. Um, but side effects of lack of sleep, some of these are bad, some of these are good. Not good lack of sleep, like, uh, you'll, you'll understand. Uh, positive effects of good sleep, that's what I mean. Um, but side effects of lack of sleep, um, so memory issues. Uh, you have trouble with concentration. Uh, you start to have mood changes, uh, more frequent car accidents, weakened immunity, high blood pressure, weight gain. There's a lot. All right, there's a lot that is in it, and that's not all of it. But that, there is just, like, a lot that is contributed to lack of sleep. Um, Daylight savings time, super fascinating fact that I, again, I showed this summer, but um, when we lose an hour of sleep, 
So when the nation, we all do daylight savings time. Um, when we lose an hour of sleep, there is a 24% rise in harsher judgings, car accidents, and suicide. Just from one, that one day after we get one less hour of sleep. And the one day we get the hour back, that whole thing switches. Where it's a 24-hour decrease in all of those things. Right? So that's just one hour of sleep. Right? So it is wild. So in mental health, um, this is often kind of the first thing that counselors will ask you. If you're coming to uh, a counselor and you're saying, hey, I'm struggling with anxiety or depression and things like that, uh, most of the time they're going to ask you, like, hey, how are you sleeping? Um, you know, what are your rhythms of sleep? How much are you sleeping? Are you sleeping well? Stuff like that. That's the first thing that they're going to ask you because it is that important. Like they're, gonna, they're always going to go to that um, first. Um, memory, talking about like studying, stuff like that. I know in college, it's very easy to cram and to be like, all right, I'm just getting like two hours of sleep because I got a big test at 8 a.m. and I got to get this stuff in. Um, so they actually did studies on like retention rate of, um, of the things that you study late at night and if you don't get sleep, stuff like that. And they found that it is actually more helpful to study less and get more sleep than it is to study more and get a lack of sleep. Right, And so uh, if you're cramming, basically what's happening in your mind is if you're cramming until three in the morning, you get four hours of sleep, you wake up and you go straight to class. All of that information that you just studied, you are not going to remember really. Um, because what sleep does is it basically brings your, your thoughts and, and what you studied into your brain for you to actually remember it. So it commits it to long-term memory. And so by you not sleeping, you're just not really going to remember any of that. And you're probably going to forget stuff that you had learned earlier in the day when you were feeling good. So even stuff you, like, uh, you learned at like 3, 4, or 5 in the afternoon, you're not going to know it as well if you don't get, a lack of, uh, if you don't get enough sleep that night. Um, and the next day, if you study, if you get a lack of sleep the night before, and then you study, and then you get a good night's sleep, and then you take your test, still the lack of sleep the night before is going to affect when you study that day, you're just not going to be able to recount it. So there is so many things, and I, I literally could go on for so long because I'm really passionate about sleep, but it, it really does affect everything, and it's just like the Sabbath uh, example where it's like yeah. all of culture and science agrees with God yeah. <laughs> that, like, this is actually how we're supposed to be created. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to even, like, say over you guys' psalm that Logan kind of mentioned, and this psalm's, like, so ingrained in my brain now because uh, of how many times I've had to encourage and pray this over people in the past year, but it's Psalm 127, and it says, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. And God loves to give us his beloved sleep. And so we can just rest in it and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of reasons why um, I just kind of dropped down. Like in my head, I was thinking like, why do, why do people not want to get sleep? Uh, first is like FOMO. You know, your friends are hanging out late at night. And you're like, oh, I want to do that. I know I got to test at 8 a.m., but I should probably do that. Uh, my senior year of college. Uh, so I graduated from ECU. Good pirates. No one does that, but I do that. <laughs> Let's go. Um, my, my senior year, I was student teaching, um, and so I, I would wake up super early, um, probably around like five, and I would uh, go work out with a group of guys, then we would all, and it was like of teachers or whatever, then we would all um, go to school at seven. Um, and so that, <laughs> that, my entire senior year, I would be going to bed at like nine. And my friends thought I was so lame, but I got amazing sleep and loved it. And my friends were like, I mean, it's not like they're like, oh man, you're the worst, we're not going to hang out with you, whatever. They're just like, oh, you're just going to miss out on, like, whatever we're doing tonight. But then I would just hang out with them the next day, and it's like, they don't, I mean, it's not like they had, like, crazy stories or whatever. It was just like, oh, yeah, like, I'm there any other time. So FOMO. Uh, the second is media consumption. So uh, Google CEO came out saying in an interview that, quote, our biggest competitors are Facebook, YouTube, and sleep. That is terrifying. So that's media consumption for you. Um, third uh, ne a neglect reason for ne neglect of sleep is thinking that you need to work more uh, or that control is in your hands. Fourth is just kind of lack of priorities. And fifth, um, you just don't really think you need it. Um, so quick practices to get better sleep. If you want to talk about this more, you can obviously tell I'm very passionate about it. So please come talk to me or ask questions during Q&A. Um, but the first is just creating a rhythm and a routine. That's the most important part. You might be a laid out. Like you might naturally stay up until midnight or one, that's fine, but you still need the seven to eight hours of sleep. So even if you, if you have an 8 a.m., like you're going to have to kind of push yourself to like go to sleep earlier. Um, but going to, trying to go to sleep 
at the same time every night is actually proven to be like the best thing for you to get good sleep. Second thing is checking your caffeine consumption. Um, so I'm sorry for all the coffee lovers, but if you uh, drink a cup of coffee um, after 2 p.m., uh, the, that caffeine is still in your system when you go to sleep. And so you may not think you're getting worse sleep, but you are. Uh, you're waking up a ton of times throughout the night, but your brain doesn't register it uh, because it's so short of a time, but you're getting a, like, a lot worse sleep by doing that. So I'm sorry. You're probably going to have caffeine this afternoon, and that's fine. I'm not going to judge you, I promise. But just check your caffeine if that is a problem. Um, and then the last thing is just stopping media consumption 30 minutes before bed yeah. and kind of um, slowing that down. You're wanting your brain to recognize, all right, it's time to go to bed. You're going to stop. Like you, Media, when it goes into your eyeballs, is saying, hey, I, it's it's still daylight. It's still time for me to be awake. So stopping that 30 minutes before can be really helpful. Yeah, that's good. I found I started like reading more before bed, reading a good old fiction book. Oh, yeah. um, nonfiction books stress me out before bed because I'm like thinking so much. So if you find a good fiction book, it really just draws you in. It's been really helpful for yeah. me to sleep good. I like turn off my overhead light and I turn on my little oh, lamp yeah. and I drink some tea. And I yep. and that's my and I set my alarm before I start reading my books and I like put my phone away and then I just read my little book and then yep. I just go to bed. Yep. So that's what I do. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you guys should try it. Um, but speaking of media, um, yeah. so we're going to talk about that now. Um, and so I just want to ask you all, like, um, just think about how many times during maybe the first session this morning did you, like, pick up your phone to glance at the time or just, like, pick up your phone to check it? Maybe maybe you did already a few times during our <laughs> our talk. Um you don't have to answer out loud, but just think <laughs> about it. Uh, because I think the thing is with our phones is that it's distracting us without us even like thinking about it. Like you see someone else get a notification on their phone and you're like, oh, maybe like someone texted me or like you just see like a Snapchat thing pop up and you're like, what did that person say? Like, I, I think I need to like check it right now. Or like, it just like makes things seem so urgent to us that it's like constantly distracting us from the present moment. So we just found like we just thought that this was a really important thing for us to just acknowledge really quickly yeah. and talk about more. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, media, it dictates so much of our life right now. Um, our phones and uh, YouTube and movies and TV shows, all this stuff. It, it really does um, say so much right now. And um, so this book, I think it's this one, uh, 12 Ways Your Phone Has Changed You. Absolutely incredible. Um, I read it um, this past few weeks for this talk and it was just really, really good. It's uh, Tony Rinke. He talks about um, kind of 12 different ways that your phone is controlling you. Obviously, it's the title of, of the book. Uh, but he talks about from a biblical perspective, like why that is actually harming you. Um, but there's a guy named Tristan Harris who he, if you've seen The Social Dilemma, uh, he helped out with that a little bit. Um, Social Dilemma is terrifying if you haven't watched it, but it is really helpful. Um, but Tristan Harris, there's a TED Talk that he gave that was really, really good um, that you can go watch. Um, but he has this quote. He says, all of the media is fighting to take your attention for their personal gain. Think about YouTube. Uh, they've decided to autoplay the next video so they can keep you there a little bit longer. The Netflix saw that and realized that was taking away people from using their product, so they then did the same thing. Then Facebook decided to autoplay their videos on your feed so when you're scrolling so that you don't have to press play. It's automatically going to go. So all of these companies are seeing, okay, YouTube is doing this and that is taking away from my product, so now I'm going to do that. And that is a problem for us because that is being fed off of us. And he continues, or think of Snapchat. Uh, currently, this is the number one way teenagers communicate in the U.S. today. So probably almost all of you guys. Um, what Snapchat did was they then created this thing called Snapstreaks, which you guys all know about, uh, which adds a number next to a person's name when you've gone consecutive days communicating with this person. What this does is it binds you to someone else to keep something going and constantly go back to their app. Right? It has even been studied that teenagers will give their passwords to up to five friends when going on vacations just to keep the Snapstreaks going. Right? And this has created an actual dependence on the app and on their smartphone. Right, and so a challenge for you guys. What if this weekend you got rid of all of your snap streaks? Thank you. Just a challenge, just a challenge. I'm not saying you have to do it, but if you do it, that'd be awesome. Um, but I think for most of us in this room, um, I know you got, that was really got a reaction on that one. Um, but um, I really would say for most of us in this room, like our phone right now, 
um, is kind of a, like a type of Lord over our life. It might sound like really intense, um, but we've let our phones really dictate um, how we use our time. It distracts us from being present in the moment and productive in our work. It's completely completely changed how we consume things, right? In short bursts rather than like long, um, uh, rather than like being able to slow down in, in long forms of media and, and enjoy that. Uh, it's created a dependence on approval of others through social media. It feeds into the problem of FOMO. Uh, it makes us very lonely by feeling more connected than ever, um, but actually having very little human a- interactions that like go deep. Uh, right, so it's like we see all of these things, like all media is stopping us from being able to rest in the Lord and be able to like recognize who he is. And I mean, there's just like constant distractions, yeah. um, you know, happening right at our hip or in our hand or whatever. And so we thought this was really important to talk about because yeah. it is it is playing a huge role um, in today. Yeah, yeah, there's this quote from John Piper. I mean, he says, one of the greatest uses of Twitter and Facebook, um, Instagram, Snapchat, etc. you can tell John Piper's old, um, will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. Which, golly, isn't that convicting? Like, like, uh, like even being held to account of how we have spent our time. Like, And I just did this little calculation earlier about if we just spent, I think the average like American maybe spends like two hours a day on social media, which like might not sound like that much every day, right? But if you think about, I calculated how much time it would be in a year if you just spent two hours a day, and it adds up to over 30 days. Like, that's literally... No, 30. I, 30. I calculated it wrong. Because oh, wow. if you think about it, two hours is like a twelfth of a day. And then a month. Yeah, things Bryson. Yeah. So anyways, 30 days. I know I told Logan three and I was still like, Poof. and then I yeah, thought it was, I was 30. Like, that's, and that's I was like, what? So um, just like thinking about like and being intentional about how we spend our time, right? Like we want to use our time for the glory of God and use our time to commune with him and and find intimacy with him. And so often I think we can be on media so much that we're like, oh man, I, I just have no time to be in the word when yeah. really we've spent probably two yeah. hours of the day con- cumulatively, like just um, on social media. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some really quick practices before we get on to the last one, slowing down, um, just some things that can be helpful. Um, turning your uh, notifications off on your phone and your Apple Watch. Um, coming from someone who doesn't own an Apple Watch, one of the most frustrating things is this sound. And I hear it all the time. If you're like in a conversation and you're talking to someone and you just hear, you're just like, okay, you don't need to do that right now. <laughs> Please. Um, but even, I mean, think about it. If, you, if you're like sitting at lunch with someone and like their phone goes off and they just do this really quick, like that one little glance just made you feel so disrespected. Like you've all been there and you've felt that. Don't be those people, (laughs) right? Try to turn off your notifications, put your phone away, um, deleting social media, or even just putting your limits on it. Um, And when I say put limits on it, you should not have the password to those limits. Because all you're going to do is ignore 0731. All right, um, keep on going. Um, No, have someone else put limit, like put a code in for you so you can't extend it. Um, Don't text and drive. A really simple way to care for the people around you. Love them really well. Um, put your, I already said this, put your phone away when meeting with people, deleting all the apps that you don't need or push them off to not be on your home screen. I recently did this and it was super, super helpful where it's like, you know, our default often is just go to our home screen and look around. Uh, and when nothing's there, I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> you know, it's like, it doesn't have that much for you. And so, you know, push those off, um, turn your phone to grayscale. Um, I've done that before as well, um, because the phone, the colors that, um, iPhone and Androids that they use is actually, uh, they've, done the science where the colors they use are actually like addictive to us, where they like want to draw us in. Um, that's why there's all this science about the green message versus the blue message for iPhones, why the green looks like, oh, I don't want that. Like the blue, oh, I really like that. Like there's just so much science around it um, where it's like they're very intentional about their colors to addict us to the phone. Um, and the last thing is don't sleep with your phone in the room. Uh, this can be really, really, really helpful um, for you that you can actually get better sleep, double whammy, um, and you won't be distracted going to sleep right when you wake up. Yeah, that's good. Okay, um, you can tell that we're both very passionate about these things, and so we we just have one more that we want to go through um, and just talk about slowing down and really just everyday practices for um, just cultivating rest um, beyond just the Sabbath day of resting. How can we do that throughout our everyday lives? 
Um, and so there's this um, quote from John Ortberg that, and he kind of defines slowing down as cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. And what this does to our hearts is it makes us stop and it makes us think and it makes us actually like look around and see who's around us rather than scrolling while we're in line or just looking at our phones while we're waiting for a friend. We see those around us and we um, are challenged to wait um, and this helps our hearts towards God. Um, and I think Logan had this verse he was going to share with us too. Yeah. Um, so this is actually one of the verses that um, I mentioned earlier um, about Jesus kind of stepping away. And I, I wanted to highlight it here. So Matthew 14, 23. Um, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. You know, how many of you have actually done that? <laughs> right? Like when you are at home uh, by yourself at night, like, are you there praying or are you there just like distracting yourself, you know, on your phone, watching TV, whatever? Like, what would it look like for us actually to slow down and be okay to like not be super hurried? Um, a guy named Walter Adams, he was the spiritual director to C.S. Lewis. So well done, uh, Walter. Um, he has this quote, he said, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. Yeah. It's a very amazing quote. Um, and so I, I think we really see like, like slowing down and, and this plays into, you know, many of the things we've already talked about, but we thought wanting to separate it because I think there are some practices here that yeah. uh, aren't covered in the other ones that I think could be really helpful um, for this. Yeah, and like Logan was saying, like we see in Jesus' life that Jesus lived such an unhurried, like intentional, like he was interruptible, right? Like we see in the story of the bleeding woman that um, that he he was able to be interrupted and not rush. Like all throughout Jesus' life, we see his his patience and his slowness, and Jesus like is love. Um, and but I think also like we can see even in um, all throughout the Old Testament, like God's intention and slowness and how it's loved, uh, or how it is love. And um, there's this guy Kasuke Kiyama that writes this book called Three Mile Per Hour God, talking about how God like walks our pace. And he says, I find that God goes slowly in his educational process of man. 40 years in the wilderness um, points to his basic educational philosophy. Um, the Israelites were in the wilderness for 40 years, three generations of like the united monarchy of like Saul, David, Solomon, and 19 kings of Israel, 20 kings of Judah, the hosts of prophets and priests, the experience then of exile and restoration again. Isn't this a rather slow and costly way for God to let people know his covenant relationship between God and man? But God walks slowly because he is love. Um, if he is not love, he would have gone much faster. Um, and so we just see that, that God um, walks slowly. He works slowly because he walks our pace. Um, and um, yeah, we just see all throughout like the life of Jesus, the same um, walk. And um, so we want to walk this way because we want to look like Jesus. Um, and so I, I kind of was just thinking that this is a part, the aspect that I'm really passionate about. Um, and so I think first, um, I, like I have kind of three things I was thinking about. Um, so we want to walk slowly so that we can love. Um, so we don't slow down to serve ourselves and our desires or hobbies or dreams or comfort. Like it's not a self-help strategy and it, it is not to help us gratify the flesh, but it's actually to help us resist the desires of the flesh and so that we can like love um, and exude joy and peace as Jesus did. Um, so... The second one is walking slowly so that we can be present with God. Um, kind of like I was talking about with the story of the skunk, like just being able to like practice the presence of God in our everyday lives from when we are brushing our teeth, from when we, uh, to when we're showering, to when we're driving um, to class, to when we're having coffee with a friend, to when we're going to bed, like in every aspect of that, we can commune with God. Um, in every aspect of that, we can thank him for the things he's given us. Um, we can be intentional to look around us and enjoy the things that he's given us. Um, but if we are rushed and hurried, that is just not going to be on our mind. Like if you're a rush driving to campus, trying to get to class, like you're 
like often, like I'm driving and I'm so stressed getting somewhere, like I can almost run someone over on campus. Like I'm just not thinking about others and I'm not like communing with God and thinking, how can I pray for this person walking across the street and like love them by slowing down? I'm thinking, get out of my way. And right, like, I mean, we all do that, right? Um, so. I know uh, a girl, <laughs> I don't think she's in this room. I'm not gonna say her name, but she literally hit someone. Not they, they were fine. But she was driving and she was, just, she was literally telling me the story about how she hit someone with her car. She was just so distracted and she was so hurried that she just made a turn. And then next thing she knew, this oh girl's gosh. face was like on her windshield. And she was like, oh my gosh, it sounds like God out. I was like, are you okay? But oh I was no. like, that's crazy. Oh she just gosh. was distracted. She was so hurried. Oh man. So anyway, that could happen to you. So <laughs> slow down. Slow down. <laughs> no, yeah. It was cool. I wanted to share this story with you guys too quickly. I, um, my senior year of college, I was in this class and one practice I p- implemented was not put, like when I walked into class on the first day, I like didn't pull out my phone when I sat down and I just looked at who was around me. And I, um, so I ended up meeting this guy in my class and later on in the semester, we were talking, we were in a project together and he was like, Amy, I like noticed something different about you the first day of class and that you weren't just like on your phone scrolling like everyone else. Like you were actually like present and looking mm-hmm. to the people around you. And from there, like me and my friend got the chance to like share the gospel with him and share like why that, why we live or why I lived like differently in mm-hmm. that situation. And so it's even like a testament to the world of like, like you're gonna look different if you're not like constantly on your phone or if you're just um, doing these practices. Um, and so, yeah, the last thing is just like, we wanna walk slowly to be transformed. Um, transformation takes time. Um, like Second Corinthians three says, like as we behold the Lord, we are being transformed from one degree of glory to the next. Um, it is not the sudden everything transformation, but the Lord has desired to sanctify us slowly um, and slowly craft us into his image. Um, and so, yeah, as long as we just remain enslaved to culture of speed um, and or remain enslaved to a culture of speed and superficiality and distraction. Like we would just not be the people that God longs for us to be and just like imitating Jesus in this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, uh, some quick practices for slowing down. Um, sitting somewhere, don't pull your phone out. Amy already shared that. Driving the speed limit, you know, then you won't hit someone. So that's good. Um, there it is getting to the slow lane. And I know a lot of these, you're like, I would never do that. That's probably telling of your heart. Like, and that me too. I'm like, I don't want to do those things. Um, but it's telling, it's like, we want to be rushed and we want to be hurried. Uh, fourth one, setting times for emails or texts, things like that. Five, taking up uh, journaling can be really helpful. It like slows you down or you're writing your thoughts or like cooking your own food and eating in. You know, again, like fast food is so easy and it's so fast. <laughs> um, and so cooking and resting, being with housemates, things like that can be really helpful. Do you have any other practices? Um, one of mine I implemented was actually sitting down and eating my food. Okay, because (laughs) for me, like, you guys need to think of, like, specifically for you, when are you hurried? Because for me, I noticed that I, like, literally never sit down at the dining room table and eat. Like, I will stand up and eat for some reason because it feels more productive to me. And, like, it feels, like, non-productive to sit down. Or I found my, I would just bring my food in the car. Like, I'd make it last minute, just bring it in the car and eat it while I'm driving which again probably is a double whammy of distraction. But like, just think for yourself when are you most hurried and try to implement practices. It's gonna feel like, like just like grieving to, not grieving, but like it's gonna feel so like contrary to your yeah. flesh, but that means it's probably good for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think just to kind of close this out, um, you know, why we wanted to talk about this. I think when you look in the beginning in, in Genesis, you see Adam and Eve walking with the Lord, not in a rush, but they are fully satisfied because they are with God, right? Fully satisfied with him. And then we see at the end uh, in Revelation that again, one day we will walk with the Lord as he is light to us on our path. We will walk fully satisfied. And in the in-between right now, we are not satisfied. And so we're trying to hurry ourselves and we're trying to get somewhere. We're trying to do something because we feel like there's something for us to accomplish. Um, but what it look like for us to practice what Adam and Eve did and what we will in the very end today 
um, by slowing down and being with the Lord. You know, whether that is through, um, through silence and solitude and stepping away to be with him, or whether that is practicing the Sabbath, uh, whether that is, you know, putting limits on your phone and, and helping that not dictate, you know, your life in many ways, or it's caring about your sleep and, and, and seeing that that is beautiful and a gift from God, um, or it's just like slowing down and, and, and practicing ways that you're really going to slow down your life in order to experience the Lord. Right? There's so many different ways for us to do that. And so we thought, you know, we really want this to be something that we are sharing with you guys because, you know, Amy and I, we're really passionate about it. And uh, we really do believe that you guys are going to know Christ better uh, by putting these in, into practice. Um, and so uh, because we didn't rush through this, we also uh, just got rid of all the Q&A time accidentally by talking about the whole time. Um, so Amy and I, are, we're going to stay back here. And so if you have questions, please um, come up and ask us, um, or you can stay where you're seated and ask us. Um, but really quick, wait, 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 before you back up. No Russian. Really, really quick. Um, we're going to spend another 30 seconds in silence. And I want to pray. And I want, in that time, to ask, I want you guys to ask the Lord, what is one thing that you want to do? Like on this sheet, a practice, maybe it was one of the disciplines that you really want to focus in on. Uh, one thing that you want to do, um, and just ask that of the Lord. So 30 seconds silence, and then I'll pray us out. Father God, I pray and ask, Lord, that you would guide us. God, that you would help us to discern, Lord, what ways we can be more faithful um, to rest and to slow down. God, that we um, would know you better um, by um, being able to sit in silence with you. God, that we would see all of these disciplines and things, that they are actually ways to glorify you. Um, God, that they are so contrary to the kingdom of this world. God, that we are going to look odd. We're going to even feel odd because we are so, um, we, are, we, are, we fit so well into the culture so often. Um, so God, I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us for the ways that we have hurried and rushed past your spirit uh, moving. Um, God, that we have been distracted from your voice in our head. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us. And God, that you would help us to, to rest with you and to be with you, Father. We pray in your son's name. Amen.